We're in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Frankly, I've preached through John's Gospel before. And as I'm preaching through it and studying through it right now, it's a completely different book than it's ever been. Every word I'm reading, I've read before, but the message is simpler and more powerful and profound than I have ever seen before. Jesus is God come in the flesh. As the Nicene Creed accurately says, he is the old-fashioned way of saying he's very God of very God. He is true God of true God joined together in one person, fully God, fully man, not half God, half man, fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. There is nothing you can say about the innate character and reality of God the Father that you cannot likewise say of God the Son. He is true God of true God. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, just like Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the speaker. What do you see when you read Genesis chapter 1? And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, in the beginning was the Lagos, the speaker, the Word. And the Word was in a face-to-face relationship with God. And this is the Greek word order, and God was the word. It is as emphatic as it can possibly be. It sounds strange to our ears. Would it sound strange in that word order to the Greek listener? Why is it that our English translators say, and the word was God? Because it just sounds so a little bit more nice. And No, do what John did, and God was the word. And the word became flesh and tabernacled, tented among us, just as the Shekinah glory of God was in the sent, was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, and the Word became flesh and tented among us, and we beheld His glory. The ancient Jews did not see the glory. That, they were tented off from it. It was behind the curtain. No one ever went into the Holy of Holies except once a year on Day of Atonement. The high priest would go in and offer a sacrifice for his own sins, then go back out and then bring in a sacrifice for the sins of the people. That was it. Every, once a year. And he better get this right because if he makes a mistake, you know, they actually would tie a rope around his ankle. And he was wearing bells on the bottom of his priestly garb. So they could hear him moving around, ding, 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 ding. And if they heard a thud and no more dinging, they're not going in after him. They're going to pull him out with that rope they tied around his ankle. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. What's the first description? Grace, gifting, mercy, and truth. God loves mercy. We could spend the rest of our lives thanking God that he loves mercy and grace. 
what is our biggest need before a holy God? Mercy and grace. Full of grace and truth. And we've seen as Jesus has come forward and spoken about himself, and he has been blunt about who he is. Very forthright. We saw, for example, a few weeks ago, Jesus in Jerusalem, he heals a man at the pool of Bethesda. This man, the Apostle John says, has been infirm for 38 years. He has probably been a fixture there because it's a place where the blind and the infirm and all these people with sick physical issues were there. And whoever got into the water first, after it was stirred up by an angel that came down, was healed. But the rest of them, I would dare say, they're making a living. They're sitting there with their tin cups. And Jesus walks up to this man, and he says, yes or no question, do you want to be healed? He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. Well, I can never quite make it into the water when the waters are stirred. Somebody always beats me. He's been infirm for 38 years. Years. Now, I don't know that he'd been there for 38 years, but he didn't say a simple yes. And he doesn't even know who's asking the question. He's probably rattling his tin cup. And Jesus says, you're healed. Take up your bed and go home. And as he's walking out of the area, it's the Sabbath. And so the, the temple authorities, now this is outside the temple precincts, but the temple authorities stop him. You're breaking the Sabbath. Well, the fellow who healed me told me to take up my bed and go home. Who told you to take up your bed and go home? Now, this is the Jewish religious leadership. What did the guy just say to them? The man who healed me. The man who just, in the power of God, cleansed me of an infirmity that I've had for 38 years. They're not interested in what God did. Those religious authorities. Oh. And the next, later on, when Jesus discloses himself to this man, who for the first time in his life has been able to go into the temple, because physically imperfect people weren't allowed in the temple, Jesus finds him in the temple and says, don't sin lest a worse thing come upon you. And what does he do? He goes and turns in Jesus to the temple authorities. And so they, it literally says this in John's gospel. They put him on the hit list. We've got to kill him. And then it says they encounter him. And they say, look what you did. And he said, well, I'm just imitating the works of my father. And again, in the Greek text, it's the word my father in the sense of a unique sense. My father in the unique sense. Okay, now we're putting you on the hit list for two reasons. Because you made yourself equal with God. Boy, did you get that right. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you got that your brain together. Good, good job, good job. And then he goes on for the balance of that chapter. And everything I'm doing is in imitation of the Father. Everything I'm doing is in imitation of my Father. My Father, my Father, my Father. And they're not listening they're just getting more and more angry because he has been doing miracle after miracle after evidence, 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 and they are not interested in the evidence. 
because they have their den of thieves that they've turned the temple into. They want to protect that money machine. They want to protect their reputation in the community. Believe it or not, these guys are looked up to. They wear the right clothes. They obey the right food laws. They only go a Sabbath day's journey on the Sabbath. They don't br- they've got it all together. They are the Jewish heroes. And Jesus says, you guys are going to hell. Sermon on the Mount, if you don't have more of righteousness than the scribes and Pharisees, that's the, those, they're the Jewish heroes. If you don't have more righteousness than them, and they're the super righteous fellows. If you don't have more righteousness than, than them, you are going to hell. Punch to the face. And believe me, there were Pharisees there listening. And now we find Jesus. He's healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. He's back in Galilee. And they go across. They're out in the wilderness, Jesus and his disciples. And here comes this big, massive crowd. It's the Passover season. There's people journeying to Jerusalem for the Passover. And they're out there. And Jesus says, hey, fellas, what are you going to do to feed these men, these people? Uh, What are you talking about? Take 200 denarii. A a denarius was one day's wage. 200 days' wages to buy enough bread to feed these guys. Oh, incidentally, there's a kid here with five loaves and two fish, but what's that among this number? You just have those those people sit down. And you all know this. Out of the five barley loaves and the two fish, he feeds everybody. And it says, they were all full. And then he sends them out, and they gather 12 baskets full of the leftovers. And the crowd looks at the, ah, this must be, Deuteronomy 18, the prophet that God will send, the Moses-like prophet. And they want to take him and make him king. Hey, we're, this, we want bread every day. And Jesus goes on to the mountain. The disciples get in the boat and said, head, start heading across the Sea of Galilee. And it gets dark, and Jesus goes out and walks on the water, and he catches up with the apostles, and they are frightened when they see this fellow walking on the water. And Jesus says, it's me, it's me, I'm safe. And so they welcome in. Instantly, they're in Capernaum. They hit the shore in Capernaum. And the next day, some of those 5,000 catch up with Jesus in Capernaum. Okay, we want more bread. We want more bread. And Jesus says to them, you are not here because of the sign that you saw. You're here because of the bread that you ate. I am the bread from heaven. Okay, that's a pretty big claim. Uh, uh, uh. Why don't you give us a sign? These are the guys who just saw a sign yesterday. Give us a sign. Oh, we have a suggestion, by the way. The sign we want is more bread. This is the only bread you're gonna, that you will be offered, and that's me. You must partake of me. And this is where we were. This is, that was part A. That was last Sunday. That was part A. And Jesus isn't backing down at all 
in his declarations about who he is, he's being more and more and more forthright. I am the bread of heaven. And they, okay, well, can you train us to do these mighty signs, these miracles? This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. This is your assignment. Believe in him whom he sent, me. That's your job. In the Gospel of John, chapters 1 through 12, is all evangelistic. It's all written to be read by people who are not yet into the kingdom so they can understand what the issues is and the one command they have. There's only one command to the unbelievers. Believe in me. That's it. Real simple. (laughs) Stepping into God's kingdom is understanding who Jesus is. He is God come in the flesh, and what he did for us, he went to the cross, was declared guilty. He is the, the, as John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is sinless. The Jewish leadership, had a trial for him. They couldn't get any accusers to agree. You had to have at least two agreeing accusers. Even though they had coached these guys when it came to a public testimony, they couldn't get him to agree. They, in frustration, took him to Pilate, who is the only one who has authority to kill, to execute people. And they say, okay, we want you to crucify this man. Uh, well, what's your accusation? You just crucify. That's not how it works. What are you accusing him of? And they had nothing to accuse him of. And Pilate's wife sends word to him, don't have anything to do with this just man because I've been tormented all night in dreams because of this just man. Don't you dare do anything to bring harm to him. And so Pilate, because he's afraid of a riot, agrees to Jesus being crucified, but he says, I'm washing my hands of the blood of this just man. And the Jewish leadership leads the crowd in this chant, let his blood be on us and on our children. Talk about calling down judgment on yourself. Did they experience that judgment? Oh, you bet they did. You bet they did. The Romans later came and destroyed the city, crucified over 100,000 Jews outside the city, destroyed the temple, destroyed the city. But Jesus is not backing down. I am the Son of God. Verse 38, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, my sermon title today is Believe and Eat and Drink, Part 2, because we're still reviewing Part 1. And what had Jesus said? I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. You want bread? Well, I'm the bread. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I will slake your hunger for life eternal 
I will slake your thirst for life eternal, a welcoming relationship with the true and living God, the holy God. I will satisfy that entirely forever. That need will be met forever. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 41. Well, let me keep reading. Verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Then the Jews then complained, murmured about him. By the way, that's a very key word. What were the Jews in the wilderness for 40 years doing constantly? Murmuring, murmuring, murmuring. Complaining, complaining, complaining. Hey, we're getting tired of this manna. Could we get some quail in here? <laughs> complaining, complaining, complaining. They're imitating their forefathers who spent an extra 38 years in the wilderness because they could do nothing but complain and walk in unbelief. The Jews then complained, murmured about him because he said, I am the bread who came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? No, he isn't. What do we know from the narrative of Matthew's gospel? Joseph is his legal father, but not his actual father. The angel came to Joseph and said, the woman to whom you are engaged, did you already have a contract to marry down at the county courthouse? She is going to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Mary had already told him, I'm pregnant. Well, yes, and he was going to divorce her. He was going to go and do a quiet little thing of not following. No, the angel said, you marry her because that which she is carrying is of God. He is the Messiah. Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And we know from the Luke narrative, even more, we've got all of this covered. No, he's not the son of Joseph. Yes, he did draw his humanity from Mary. He is the legal son of Joseph, and everybody in the community thought he was Joseph's son, but no, he's not. Is not this Joseph's, Jesus, is, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Well, read your Bible. What does the Holy Spirit say through Isaiah? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. What does the Holy Spirit say through Moses' pen? Genesis chapter 3, God speaking to the serpent. I will make a seed, there will be a seed from the woman who will crush your head. A seed from the woman. Read your Bibles. Jesus, therefore, answered and said to them, Do not murmur. Complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. If you are in the kingdom, there's a reason why you're in the kingdom that God, that God says over and over, to get over again. Because God sought you out when you had no interest 
no intent of having a relationship with the true and living God. He sought you out, found you on the hillside, threw you on his shoulders, and brought you home. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God, God himself. Let me tell you something. If you're, if you're sharing the gospel with other people, take heart. It's not your job to talk them into the kingdom. It's your job to share the truth with them, to share the gospel with them, but your responsibility ends about two inches past your lips. It's God's job to take those words of life and give them light and life so that they are enabled by God to reach out and embrace. The, and they will be thinking, look, I'm embracing. No, you're being embraced, and therefore you're embracing back. But God is doing the one embracing your job in evangelism is to simply speak the truth. It's God's job. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, Nicodemus, you must be born from above. From above. It's God's initiative. No one can come to me except the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father, everyone, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not some. Everyone who has learned and heard comes to me. From the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He who has seen the Father. That's me. Jesus said, that's me. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. You want bread? I'm the bread. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Way back when he fed the 5,000. Oh, he is like, he, this is truly the prophet, Deuteronomy 18. Uh, like Moses. Well, he is, but he's more than that. He is also, he is the God of Moses. It wasn't Moses that gave your fathers the bread. It was my father. I gave you bread. That wasn't an imitation of Moses. That was an imitation of my father. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, folks, at this point, and he's already made this point earlier, but frankly, folks, this is pretty, uh, 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 we hear this and we're supposed to eat your flesh and drink your blood? Yuck. Jesus is using really a pretty obnoxious visual here. 
But if the Holy Spirit, if God the Father is doing the speaking to them, they won't be put off by that. When we, and eating and drinking are used in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, as metaphors for faith. As metaphors for faith. We're going to be coming to the Lord's table. We will be eating. This is, what does Jesus say? This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Well, that wine didn't turn to blood. That bread didn't, it was, an, it was emblematic of what he would be doing in just a few hours for them on the cross. And you're eating and you're drinking is you're having faith in me. Eating and drinking my, what I would do in my humanity as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was nailed to a wooden cross. And God the Father poured out on him all of the judgment due to the entire human race for an eternity in the lake of fire. Because of the nature of who he is, fully God, he is able to do a work that we, we would never finish in an eternity. He is able to do it in the six-hour span of time on the cross. Sin's demands, the demands of the judgment of sin have been fully satisfied by what Jesus did on the cross. You want to benefit from that? Transfer your trust from yourself, your own righteousness, your own works to me, and you will receive that benefit Eat my flesh. By the way, they ate, the Passover lamb was eaten. The blood was put on the lintel and doorposts. Ben, they benefited from that Passover lamb, but every year they're having to redo that ceremony. Well, Jesus is a once for all. It's done. It's done. It is finished, Jesus said. It is paid in full. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of heaven. I am the bread that co which comes down from heaven. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. Have you gotten this yet? From heaven, from heaven, from... I am God the Son, become flesh. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled, murmured, among themselves saying how can this man give his flesh us his flesh to eat well when he went to the cross as the lamb of god he literally was giving them his flesh and their eating of it was trusting having faith in the benefit that was theirs now because of what he did then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, and yes, you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I know, folks, this strikes our ears as really obnoxious. And it's supposed to, but by the help of God's Spirit, we're to get past that to the one, that obnoxious message becomes a message of, oh my word, how marvelous, his flesh, his blood. What, what did Jesus cry out on the cross as he gave his flesh, as he rendered his blood? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
and it became dark. And all of heaven's judgments, all of the lake of fire experienced due to the entire human race was poured out on him. And I benefit when I, it was a very, very dark event. But I see past the darkness and I'm welcomed into the light. I'm welcomed into the light. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides, has a dwelling place in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, he sustains me, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. I will sustain those who entrust themselves to my care. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now I'm going to call a halt here, uh, 11, 12 verses before I was in, intending to, but mine cannot absorb more than the seed can endure. So... We are now going to, I'm going to invite Mr. Miller, and I'm going to invite Mr. Bushel to join me at the Lord's table.